I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Many Americans have adopted children from overseas, but right now, not all of those kids will be guaranteed citizenship. The good news is there's actually a bipartisan bill, yes, a bipartisan bill in Congress that could fix that. And uh, helping us break this down, Sarah Jones, she is the CEO of Inclusion Pro. She was adopted from South Korea at age three. She's also one of the founders of Women Tech Council and serves on the Utah State Workforce Development Board, among many other things that she's out there making happen as uh, an entrepreneur, thought leader uh, in our community. Sarah, thanks for joining us today. Hi, Boyd. Thanks so much for having me on your show today. Absolutely. I want to start a little bit with your backstory. Uh, you had a, a an interesting sojourn being adopted from South Korea at uh, age three. Uh, just give us a little bit of your story, and then we'll jump into some of these challenges and loopholes that we need to, to deal with. Yeah, thank you. Well, I, I call myself a lifelong Utahan, but as you've already announced, I was <laughs> adopted when I was three years old. But ever since then, I've lived and was raised in Utah. And, um, you know, I think a fair number of people know my story because I found my birth family kind of miraculously three years ago. And I had a tattoo on my arm when I was a young child and no one knew what it meant. And um, as luck would have it, it was the it was the um, special thing that helped me find my birth family years later. We were able to find someone with matching tattoos in Korea. So it's a very unique story, um, and I was able to share some thoughts about adoption in a TED Talk that I gave a couple of years ago, and um, maybe just some things people don't always understand about being an international adoptee, and um, it's just been really great for uh, people to to say, wow, I never really understood that, right? And and thank you for sharing. (laughs) Yeah, uh, and uh, those those adoptees are are just such a a great part of our community, and uh, and again, have lived lives as, like you said, you're a, a Utahn through and through, uh, and uh, that's that's the, the case in so many places around the country. Uh, and the things that, uh, of course, most international adoptions, uh, the those adoptees are are U.S. citizens uh, as they come through. But there there is a group uh, that were kind of uh, almost in limbo in terms of what that means in terms of this uh, this bill that was enacted in 2001. Uh, that meant if you were adopted as a child before that, before age 18 and, uh, in 2001, 
that you had that automatic citizenship. But now there's sort of this in-between space. So tell us where the problem lies and then what the solution is with this uh, this new piece of legislation. Yeah. And, you know, this is something that personally affects me in the sense that I'm actually in that age group that would have been impacted um, with not having automatic citizenship, except I was lucky enough to have parents that completed the naturalization process. But there's a lot of adoptees where either the parents didn't understand the law or they didn't know or they just assumed uh, you know, my adopted child is the same as my biological child. And so, of course, the United States law is going to recognize that. So there's many, many reasons why uh, children in that group, the older group, uh, I'll say they're probably about 38 years or older now, yeah, into their 70s even, wow. um, that there's tens of thousands that don't have U.S. citizenship. And a lot of people are really shocked to, to learn that because they, I think many people assume that Congress would have fixed this years and years ago. Uh, and so so now we have an opportunity to fix it. Uh, I think that's the uh, important thing. And I know yeah. we're getting people from both sides of the aisle to come together around that. Give us a, an update. We know that's been introduced. Uh, where is it and uh, what do you see coming ahead? It has. Um, it, uh, there's been a group uh, that's actually been working on this for a number of years, and it's formally called the Alliance for Adoptee Citizenship. Now, um, what's exciting is that our Utah Congressman John Curtis was the lead co-sponsor in the House. And so, you know, as you know, Utah is family-friendly, children-friendly. We welcome adoption. And so it was awesome to see uh, one of our Utah Congress leaders leading in the House side. Um uh, Burgess Owens also is a co-sponsor. The House actually has uh, many, many bipartisan sponsors, and the Senate side is also starting to build. And so there's been a lot of outreach. We're really hoping this is the year. They've, they've, uh, the group's been trying for about five years to get this law fixed. Uh, and uh, as all things in Congress, it takes longer than you think, <laughs> uh, and it takes <laughs> you. You know, <laughs> and it takes some really determined souls uh, to see things all the way through. Uh, as you've gone through yeah. this process, uh, curious, Sarah, some of the things that you've learned in this process, uh, and some things that we should be watching for, and things that we could do as citizens as we try to help uh, nudge things forward. Well, you know, I. I would say I'm one of those that that uh, isn't as involved with politics as I should be. And um, this is one of those things where I think if if there's something that you really care about, go after it and learn about it. And I'll have to, I just have to say that I have learned so much about what this law really how it really impacts lives. Um, you know, I'll, I'll just share a little bit in my own personal story. You know, I was uh, adopted to you to Utah, right, raised by an LDS family and sealed in the LDS temple. So when you think about adoption as an actual, you know, function of forming families, and then you realize there's this law where children can literally live in the United States for their entire life and believe this is home, and then all of a sudden discover that they were never a U.S. citizen. I mean, can you imagine how shocking that must be? And, and to their families even, or their parents, who literally have treated their, their entire lives right, as if they were no different than, from their biological children. And so um, it's something that I personally care about and have found that our legislators are actually very responsive, right? I've been doing a lot of outreach, talking to our Congress people, really understanding the situation and learning a lot about um, what it takes to get a bill, bill passed. And uh, really grateful, actually, that our 
you know, Utah's interesting because I've, I've done a lot of work in in the economic sector, and we have an incredibly collaborative state. Yeah. So it's really easy to reach out to our Congress people and to our business leaders. So Scott Anderson, CEO at Zion's Bank, is supporting this. Shelly Johnson, an executive vice president of Zion's Bank, people that care about this issue. Um, and, and so it's it's been actually really easy to get people to support and understand who just didn't know. Right. And that's really all I, I think that's holding this up is people just don't know and they don't realize it's impacting realizing that people are being sent. I mean, literally sent back to the country wow. where they were adopted from. And that feels so wrong and bizarre, but it's, it's happened over 50 times and it's wow. not just Korean adoptees. It's, it's every, I mean, there's been 27 countries mm. of, of, of who have sent children to be adopted to families in the United States, but where we, we as a country, we're willing to send them back. And I just think everybody knows that that's fundamentally wrong. It just breaks yeah. up families and breaks up trust in, in what you experienced yeah. as a child being brought to the United States. Yeah. And especially in, in some of those cases where they just, they don't speak the language. They don't have anybody really there. I mean, you're, you're really sending them into a, uh, it's like you're sending them to Mars uh, in terms of what you're Absolutely. sending them back to. And yes. uh, th- this really is one it, of those where the, I think the education, yeah. the communication uh, strategy around this, because uh, once people think it through, it's like, well, that, that makes sense. Let's, let's get that done. Yeah. Uh, and so we appreciate you leading out on that. Sarah Jones, uh, well, again, is, is an important part of this. Uh, and of course, our friends over at Zion's bank as well with Scott Anderson and others. Uh, and this is just one of those things that's important. Uh, Sarah is the CEO of, it, of Inclusion Pro, uh, has her own adoption story from South Korea, uh, and is just leading out on something that I think this is an easy one for Congress. Get together, get around. Uh, we've got some great leadership. It's uh, happening in the House, and uh, and uh, Congressman Curtis leading out there as the, the lead co-sponsor, uh, and an opportunity to, to get this one right. Uh, adoption is such an important thing in this world, uh, and it creates unique and extraordinary and powerful families that make a difference in our community. And this is when we got to get right. Sarah Jones, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Boyd. I so appreciate your time. All right. We'll step aside for one last commercial break. When we come back, we'll wrap it up. A few thoughts. The president speaking right now on his uh, Build Back Better agenda and the infrastructure deal. We'll take uh, some of his comments there and Round out today, it's Giving Thir- Tuesday, so we better remember that. It's also an important birthday today. Find out whose it is coming up next. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do? in the face of an international disaster decades in the making. That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.